if there's a huge spread between them, or maybe two of them more or less agree, but the third one doesn't, that tells you something about it as well. So having multiple data sources that are calculated in different ways that can be used to cross-check against each other is pretty important too. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're gonna help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're gonna help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're gonna be allowed to focus on the things that are most important like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And with us today, Sean Harper. How you doing, Sean? Hey, I'm well. How are you? I am doing well. And a little bit about Sean. He's a co-founder and CEO of Kin, which is an insurance company built from scratch on modern technology. He's based in Chicago, Illinois. He leads a team of 100-plus employees to help educate and cover their clients. And today we're going to be talking about three factors to consider when determining the right coverage for your property. So this is a Skill Set Sunday. Hope you're having the best ever weekend. And first, Sean, how about you give us a little bit about your background, and then we'll roll right into the three factors. Sure. I've been doing online financial services stuff for a long time. My co-founder, Lucas, and I both have... And we really sort of stumbled into this insurance stuff when we started buying real estate ourselves. And there are a lot of things about the real estate process that are pretty anachronistic. The stuff that operates less efficiently than it could. 
and insurance was one of them. And we were just scratching our heads at how manual and how much paperwork was involved and how much back and forth when there are other areas of financial services where it's much more automated. Think about getting a credit card, for example. You don't need to talk to anyone. You just get the offer on the website and you click and then you've got a credit card. And so that's what we've been building. It requires a lot of technology to do that. And, and most of the tech is around having the core of every insurance company or bank or whatever is actually a software platform. It's all this software to do the underwriting rules and the accounting and the payments and the price and, and all that. So we had to build that. And then we had to build a really good system for understanding from public data sources and some private data sources and even some machine learning to understand the traits of the home. Because of course, we're not there. We can't see the building. So we need to have a machine that's really great at pulling data in so that it does understand the building. And it's pretty fun. We've learned a lot about buildings. (laughs) (laughs) What have you learned? You know, it's funny. The details are really important. One thing that really surprised me was even a simple trait on the building. Think about square footage. Actually really hard to know. We'll talk about a single family house for a second. You could ask the MLS. You could ask the property tax site. Mm -hmm. And then you could actually take a picture of the home from above, from an airplane, and use the area times the number of stories you know it is to calculate it. And you'll end up with three different answers. Yeah. You could ask the person who lives there, and you could ask the person who lived there before them, and they'll give you two different answers. Yep. And that's just for square footage, which really should be a simple thing. Then you start trying to ask people what the quality of their cabinets and appliances are, or how old the HVAC system is, or what the pitch of the roof is. And the details get really complicated. There's a lot of ambiguity. How do you navigate that? We know that no data source is going to be perfect for this stuff. So we try to have redundancy and we try to have objectivity. One thing that insurance companies have always done is they've always relied a lot on the user and or a broker to tell them about the building. And sometimes they know and sometimes they're honest. But there are also times when they know and there are times when they're dishonest. And the first part, the objective sources that we use, they're not always perfect, just like asking the user isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. But at least they're objective, right? They're not skewed in any way versus mm-hmm. if you start asking somebody who knows that if they tell you they have a newer roof, for example, that they're going to end up with cheaper insurance, well, that creates a really big incentive for them to tell you <laughs> that you've got a newer roof and people do what benefits them. And maybe they're not being dishonest. Maybe they're omitting something. So that's a big part of it is we try to rely on sources that are objective And then the other is we try to have redundant sources. So in that example I gave you before of square footage, if those three data sources are all pretty close, then you have a high confidence that it's accurate. Mm -hmm. If there's a huge spread between them, or maybe two of them more or less agree, but the third one doesn't, that tells you something about it as well. So having multiple data sources that are calculated in different ways that can be used to cross-check against each other is pretty important too. That's a good lesson for anything where you have conflicting information Even if it's a he said, she said thing, well, what are the objective sources saying that took place? And then are any of those objective sources redundant or aligning with each other? And if so, then you go that direction with the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Having some tiebreaker is really nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's talk about the three factors to consider when determining the right coverage for your property. What's number one? Number one is you really want to make sure that you're covering the property for the right amount. And it's really easy to get drawn into trying to find the cheapest insurance. 
because no one wants to pay more for insurance. But a lot of companies, especially a lot of insurance agents, will try to fudge essentially the insured value. So you might have a home or a building that's legitimately worth $1.5 million and you'll get an insurance quote that looks really good. And if you look under the hood, you'll see that they're only insuring the building for $1.2 million. So that's really important is just to figure out how much the coverage costs you relative to the amount that's being insured and to make sure that the amount that's being insured actually does cover the property. Because it's not likely that something happens to your property, but if it does, you definitely don't want to be short on your insurance because that could Mm -hmm. create a big problem that could wipe out your equity. Mm -hmm. The second one is a lot of people don't realize this, but most property insurance, commercial or residential, doesn't include some really important hazards. And the biggie is flood. So a normal homeowner's insurance policy or a normal commercial, it it can go either way. It could include it or it couldn't. You really want to make sure that you're buying flood insurance. And that's true even if you're not in a flood zone. So the mortgage banks will usually enforce that you get flood insurance if you are in a FEMA-designated flood zone. But the problem is that FEMA drew those flood zones a long time ago and things have changed. The types of weather that we get change, sea levels have risen, And then also things get more built up. It can create flood dynamics. Like if everything's paved over Mm -hmm. near you, there's no ground for the water to soak into. So it makes floods more likely. And you can see some really bad situations. Like if you go to Houston, there are neighborhoods that still haven't really rebuilt fully after Hurricane Harvey, which was two years ago. And that's because people didn't have flood insurance. So 50% of flood losses happen outside of FEMA-designated flood zones. And the really tragic thing is that if you're in one of those areas, buying flood insurance actually doesn't cost that much. If you're in a non-FEMA flood zone. If you're in a non-FEMA flood zone. Right. Because it's not that likely that you're going to get flooded, but that's why you buy insurance. You buy it for the stuff that's not likely, but would be really, really crappy if it did happen. Mm -hmm. What are some other things besides flood insurance that most property insurance doesn't include? The biggie is earthquake, the other biggie. If you are in an area where earthquakes happen, that's usually not covered by a normal policy. And then there's sort of a subset of this where the deductible will be different. So oftentimes now, if you're in a place where there is a lot of wind and hail, you'll end up with an insurance policy that has a second deductible. So it might be a $1,000 deductible, but then there's an asterisk next to it that says, well, unless it's wind or hail loss, which that's a pretty common type of loss. Like that's that's a very common insurance claim. And those deductibles can often be a lot higher. It's very common to have a $1,000 normal deductible and a $10,000 hail deductible on even just a normal house. Okay. And number three? Number three, this one that gets a little bit esoteric, but it really helps if you can look at the financial statements, which are all public from your insurance company. They actually have to file their financials with their state regulator. Well, I can already tell this is going to be less than half of a percent of any person who's getting insurance based on that so far. Absolutely. But it's so easy to do. And what you're looking for is you're looking for how much of their revenue they spend paying claims versus how much of the revenue they spend on their overhead. What you want to see is you want to see an insurance company that's spending most of the revenue that they get paying claims because mm-hmm. that's what you as a user care about. And because insurance can be really hard to compare, the last thing you want is your insurance company spending a little bit on paying claims. Maybe they argue with you a lot when there is a claim or try to shortchange you. 
And then they're spending the rest of the money on corporate jets and fancy buildings and everything else for them. Mm-hmm. Well, not having studied financials of insurance companies before, what percent would be considered high versus average versus low? That's a really good question. For property insurance, the average is about 30% is spent on overhead and 70% is spent on claims. There's actually a lot of variants. You'll find companies that are 40-60, you'll find companies that are 20-80. And usually the ones that have the lower expenses are also the ones that have better customer satisfaction because they're not nickel and diming you when you have a claim. What are some insurance companies that stand out in a good way in that regard? Some of the best insurance companies are regional. We're very regional. We're focused in just a handful of big states. Mm -hmm. One that is a national carrier, more on the personal insurance side that does really well on that is USAA. But it really is hit or miss. It's not always the big brands that are the most efficient. In fact, some of those are the least efficient. And what are on the opposite side? USA is on the good side. What about the opposite side? I don't want to say that. That's mean. I don't want to pick on anyone. It's just facts. (laughs) I'll leave that as research for the user. Where should they go to research that? Where's an easy place to look at that? The easiest is to go to whatever state you're in. Just search for their Office of Insurance Regulation. Illinois, where I live, just Google Illinois Office of Insurance Regulation. Anything that we haven't talked about as it relates to the three factors to consider when determining the right coverage that you think we should? Those are my top three. Well, how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? Kin.com is the easiest way. It's kin, like family, K-I-N.com. Sean, thank you so much for being on the show and talking to us about the three factors. One, make sure we have the right amount. Two, make sure that we have the right hazards covered, taking a look at flood and earthquakes in particular. And three, taking a look at the public financial statements of the insurance companies and seeing what proportion of revenue is paying claims versus overhead. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.